Welcome to the Lakshmi Mittal South Asia Institute at Harvard University. My name is Hasit Shah. In India, like the rest of the world, it helps to have a knowledge of local politics and political systems when trying to understand the way education is conceptualized and delivered across the country. Dr. Emmerich Davis is a political scientist who has a long-term academic interest in India. He's now based at the Harvard Graduate School of Education and using a faculty grant from SAI, he's studying the current New Delhi government's attempts to reform education in the city. Even prior to my doctoral work, I, I, I lived in Calcutta for two years. And it was a very interesting time to be in Calcutta. This was from 2007 to 2009. And the Communist Party of India that was empowering Calcutta at the time, they hadn't lost power yet, but you could see that the writing was on the wall and they'd been in power for some 30-odd years. Um, but you could see the city and the state of West Bengal sort of undergoing this process of uh, disenchantment with, with the Communist Party. Um, and this sort of inspired a curiosity in, like, first of all, how do you have a democratically elected Communist Party come to power time and again for 30 years? And then why does a party that has been in power for so long, how do they lose legitimacy and popularity? Um, and um, what are the sort of public opinion changes that need to happen uh, to lead to the demise of a, of a party that has been in power for so long. Because you're, you're a political scientist right. by training. You're at the education school, but Correct. that's your, your doctoral work was in politics, mm -hmm. political science. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that sort of inspired a general interest in Indian politics and social development and thinking about change over time um, and how sort of political orders rise and fall. And that just led to sort of more general questions about India that through sort of this long and winding path eventually led to the politics of education, but that sort of inspired the original interest in, uh, in studying uh, Indian politics and Indian development. So you're now based at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. You've, you've joined, you've been here for about a year now, a year and a half, and you were the recipient of a faculty grant from SAI to do some field work. Mm -hmm. Could you tell me a bit about that? Again, continuing on the sort of uh, theme of, of political change and, and, and political reform, there have been... So in 2014, uh, a new sort of insurgent party came to power in Delhi, the, the AAP or the Ahmadmi Party, the Common Man's Party. And they came to power on the, the sort of hopeful promise of a different form of politics and sort of mimicked parties that you see in other parts of the world or uh, factions of parties in other parts of the world. I think you can maybe compare them to Bernie Sanders in the US, uh, Jeremy Corbyn coming to power in, uh, in the UK. But one of the things that uh, they decided they were going to focus on was on education. And I think they, they see two promises on education. First of all, the sort of redistributive element uh, of education. So if you educate children today, they'll go on and they'll get better jobs than their, uh, their parents had, they'll make more money, they'll be able to sort of uh, rise out of uh, low or middle income status and, uh, and be better off than, than, the, than the previous generation. But then the second promise I think they saw in, in education was 
sort of the, the, the last mile or grassroots democracy and having citizens participate in the democratic process and the decision-making process of how uh, one particular service uh, should, be, uh, should be delivered. So uh, what I've been doing and, and, and what the SAI, SAI grant allowed me to do over the past summer and, and, and this year has been to observe um, this process of decentralizing a lot of decision-making power uh, down to parents, and, and what we're trying to understand in this project that I'm working on in Delhi is, well, does this work? Um, and if it does work, how? Uh, so what they've done is they've created um, these things called school management committees where parents, along with uh, school principals and uh, local politicians, come together and decide how money should be spent uh, in the school. And they're essentially sort of democratic forums for, for, for these decisions to make, and we're trying to understand if and when it does uh, or does not work. So that's, that's the project that I've been working on with SAI. What's the time scale of this project? Because it doesn't sound like the sort of thing you can accomplish in just one summer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the SAI grant, uh, fortunately, gave me the opportunity to do some preliminary work. And it's absolutely not the sort of thing that you can accomplish in, in a summer, particularly for some of the outcomes that, that, that we're looking at. We're sort of looking at... Uh, long-term investments, material investments in schools uh, <clears throat> by parents and by, by, by head of schools, but also changes amongst individual parents that now participate in these forums. Uh, are, are they more engaged in their community? Do they uh, see the state as more legitimate for giving them this opportunity to, uh, to participate? So, sensibly, these bodies are elected for a period of two years, and the most recent elections were in November 2017, and they're supposed to serve from November 2017 until November uh, 2019. Uh, what the SAA grant allowed me to do was sort of be in the field just before these elections and see the run-up to the, to, to the elections, but also sort of start planning a more long-term uh, research engagement, both with the Ministry of Education and, and, and the government of Delhi and uh, within schools in terms of sort of Time frames. I, I imagine that this will be continuing at least to the end of the tenure of this uh, these school management committees, which will be November two thousand nineteen, um, and potentially further, uh, depending on how the, the project goes. When you have completed this work in South Asia, this current project, mm-hmm. can you see yourself taking on more work in that particular region? Because as you said, you've spent time in Golkata, you've been to Andhra Pradesh. Um, you know, Delhi is a big place, but it's you know, a, a corner of the country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then beyond India as well, I mean, the challenges which are similar yet different in Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, mm-hmm, etc. Mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think there will always certainly be um, an interest in India, and I think some of that might extend to other countries in, in, in South Asia. I have no concrete plans at the moment, but uh, Bangladesh is always a, a country that's fascinated me. So my first big project was sort of on the growth of private education uh, in India and how non-state actors provide uh, educational services in India. And just look at Bangladesh and the success of um, these big NGOs like Grameen and Brock um, in providing services. And supplanting might be a strong word, but uh, supporting the work of the state uh, providing services and I don't want to ascribe any causal power to it but Bangladesh has been one of the fastest growing economies in the world over the last 10 years 
so the question, well, what is going on in Bangladesh is something that is that has always fascinated me. And uh, what is going on with service provision in Bangladesh? What is going on with education in Bangladesh? Is a question that sort of always. Uh, fascinated me, especially when living in Calcutta, you sort of can't escape the, the, the influence of, uh, of the other side of the border just there. What are you doing this semester? What are you teaching? What's your kind of research focus in Cambridge itself? So a couple of things. I'm teaching two classes. One is a class called Education International Development, which takes a sort of global lens on uh, how education maybe can or should or should not support efforts of economic growth and what role should, should education play. And, and uh, I take sort of growth, uh, a very big picture uh, approach to what growth actually means. So uh, looking at uh, the effects of education on the establishment of various political systems, uh, does more education uh, support democracy, does it support authoritarian regimes, uh, how do language choices affect both the capacity for countries to sort of get things done, for collective action, for people to come together. So if you have a diverse and uh, multilingual country, does that make it more difficult to provide uh, public services of, of different kinds? So that's one class. I'm teaching a second class, which is the introductory doctoral student class here at the uh, School of Education. And then as far as uh, research is concerned, this research in Delhi is, is continuing. I'm very fortunate to have uh, two uh, RAs in, in Delhi right now who uh, are serving as sort of qualitative ethnographers, going to these meetings of parents, recording the meetings of parents, transcribing them, um, and we're sort of in frequent tests sort of trying to figure out what is discussed, who talks, uh, who has power in these meetings, what gets done as a result of these meetings. So that project is, is continuing and, and uh, has been able to sort of get off the ground as a result of the uh, the SAI grant, and then a larger, a, another separate project, which is sort of based on secondary data, looking at the effects of uh, education reforms to uh, build schools in India on later life outcomes. So do people that live in villages that receive the school, uh, do they get more education, do they know more, do they have higher test scores, uh, do they have better jobs, um, and are they sort of more engaged citizens, do they participate politically, uh, who they would vote for. And this is sort of more based on secondary data collection that I've uh, been doing over a number of years. 